This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week and welcome to your Thursday and happy Thanksgiving. Yes, the holidays are finally here upon us in the Northern Hemisphere in North America. So happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And if you're not celebrating Thanksgiving today, if you live outside of the USA, Look on the bright side, it's Thursday, just one more day to go until the weekend, so there's lots of reasons to be happy all around. Hey guys, you know, it was funny, I was uh, checking out my Facebook earlier today, and I was going through, you know how you get these um, little uh, notifications that come up that you have memories on such and such a day? I go through, and I see that there's a, a memory for yesterday, which uh, would have been uh, Wednesday, of course, and it says, uh, there, there was a, a post that I made on this day, it said, just finished watching Seb win his fourth the world title, now off to do whatever. And I'm just drawing a complete blank. I cannot remember that day happening at all. I don't remember watching that race, and I don't remember Sebastian Vettel winning his fourth world championship. So my apologies to, to Sebastian Vettel, but that's that's weird. I mean, 99 times out of 100, whenever I see one of these uh, notifications or one of these memories pop up on Facebook, I mean, even if there's no picture with it or or something, if I get tagged in somebody else's post, I can always remember it happening. But I'm just looking at it and just a, a complete blank. I have no idea. Something something must have happened on that day. I don't know. Maybe I was abducted by aliens or something. They wiped my memory clear. But that was just uh, one of those uh, funny little things I saw. Anyways, this is it. We're at the end. One more race. 21 rounds of the Formula One 2019 World Championship. Is it going to come to an end this weekend in Abu Dhabi? It is the finale of the season and, well, it's a little bit anticlimactic, obviously. I mean, there's nothing to race for. The only thing really to look forward to is going to be the donuts at the end of the race when the guys don't give a damn about the cars or breaking them anymore. They've been around the world to all four corners of the globe and we've seen a lot of action this year, as we do every year. But uh, it's always kind of cool that uh, when they realize that these cars are destined basically for museums and I guess to be sold off to wealthy people at some point or whatever, wherever they end up, that uh, they they can do whatever they want to them because they're not going to be used in a serious competitive Formula One World Championship race ever again. So that's always a a little bit cool. But I mean, the race, uh, you know, it should itself be uh, kind of fun to watch. I mean, somebody's going to go out there and want to want to win that one. I mean, of course, it doesn't have any bearing whatsoever on the the drivers or constructors uh, championship that being done and dusted and decided months and months and months ago. Well, not months and months ago. I mean, uh, technically, 
officially <laughs> was decided a long time ago. It was only formally uh, settled uh, just in recent times, but it's going to be weird. I really can't believe how quickly this uh, season is gone, and uh, maybe that's just uh, a larger or a smaller indication of just uh, you know life in general, just how quickly it's going. But I'm going to miss it, you know. Obviously, we're, we're all going to miss it. It uh, It's such a, a big part of our lives, and uh, we, we get up for it, and we get uh, so pumped up and, uh, you know, looking forward to each and every race weekend and then breaking down the races and, and just talking about all the news and everything that we do here on the show and with our friends and anybody else, any other Formula One fans. So it's going to be a, a big thing now that it's going to disappear, but we're going to hang out. We're going to keep doing some shows here. Still haven't decided what I want to do over the Christmas break. I've, I've been saying for a long time, I need a break. It's been especially a very past or busy past couple of months uh, since the end of uh, summer vacation. It's just been uh, literally a blur since Labor Day. And uh, I, I could use a, a week or two off over the holidays, but you know, at the same time, as much as I want that break, it's it's not really all that much work to sit down and talk about Formula One with you guys for an hour or so each and every week. So we'll see. You know, I, I might uh, get a, a day off here or there and then uh, just just decide to crank some out. But if I do go away, it's not going to be for very long. But uh, anyways, let's uh, let's not think about that. Let's not dwell on the fact that this time next week we'll be reminiscing on this season and looking ahead to uh, the next one, which is uh, not due to start for three and a half months, you know, somewhere around the middle of March. I don't have the, the 2020 calendar in front of me, but, but whatever. Let, let's not think about it anyways. Like I said, it's too depressing to think about. Anyways, well, since uh, that, that actually is a little bit of a nice uh, segue and kind of con- uh, convenient because James Allison to Mercedes says that he's glad that the painful part of the Formula One 2020 rules overhaul is now over and they can start uh, planning and, uh, and designing and getting to work on the serious uh, business. And uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I, I find it a little bit uh, understated the way that uh, that James uh, had to uh, describe this. And he said, quote, you'd be a weird F1 engineer if you weren't excited by having a fistful of new regulations to digest, look for opportunity with win, uh, within and to go off and try and make the fastest possible car you can from them. So for us, probably the work of the last years and particularly the cl- climax of the last few weeks and months, that's been a bit painful. End quote. And guys, I don't know about that. To me, the whole process has been rather painful. It's really seemed like it's uh, dragged out, especially over the, well, I mean, at least the last half of this season. It seemed like it was in limbo. And it seems like a really, really long time ago since uh, Ross Braun unveiled uh, those those concept drawings uh, of what uh, 2020, uh, 2021 Formula One cars could look like. And I don't even remember when that was. Was that last year? Was it 2017? It's been a hell of a long time. So, I mean, to get to the point where they've uh, finally got some uh, agreement. And I I must admit that I am, on one sense, as much as I'm a little bit irritated and frustrated that it's taken this long, I'm not really all that surprised on on the other hand. But... I'm still pleased that a lot, well, basically everybody's still going to be here. I mean, we didn't have a Ferrari uh, say right from the outset, oh, the, the new Formula One uh, is against the uh, the ethos and the, the spirit, the soul of Ferrari. So if we don't like what we're going to see, we're going to get up and walk away. I mean, that's kind of been their, their default reaction to everything. Right from major rules overhaul down to the uh, chewing gum supplier uh, for Formula One, whatever it is, you know, big or little, it always seemed like 
that was the default setting for Ferrari. They uh, threatened to pack up all their toys and, and go home. So that was uh, refreshing to see. I mean, there was a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, Mercedes says, you know, they, they've said, you know, they're not really too sure how long they're going to stay in the long run. But I mean, there was some good news earlier this week, and we're going to get into that a little bit more detail in a minute. Uh, and that's uh, regarding Honda. They've decided to stick with uh, Toro Rosso and Red Bull for another year in 2021. So that's that that's good. But like I say, I mean, to, to get all these different uh, stakeholders, all these different uh, parties that are involved in it, uh, to, to get them around a table and and hash out these rules and uh, the, this this complete overhaul is a big big undertaking and it maybe it's just my perspective maybe I'm being a little bit uh, naive maybe I'm uh, downplaying it or underplaying it uh, a, a little bit but it didn't really seem as bad as it's been at other times in the past uh, I, I'm glad that there seems to have been uh, inputs uh, from from all parties from all the different stakeholders uh, to one degree or another. And it's going to be interesting to see how it, uh, it, it's really going to work out. I mean, one of their big objectives with these rule changes was to encourage closer rain, uh, uh, racing or better racing, more competitive racing, whatever you want to call it, by allowing the, the cars to follow each other you know, closely. I mean, that, that's the, the, the big problem that they have even now. I mean, I think the, 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 uh, the, the overhaul or the tweak that they introduced to the, the, the rules in 2017 and then again with the, uh, the, the simplified uh, front wings, I think it's worked to a certain extent. Extent. I mean, we've seen some races that have been downright uh, boring and, and dreadful. I'm thinking specifically of Monaco 2018. That seemed to have you know, drawn a lot of criticism from several drivers, including Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso at the time. But Monaco is always a tough place uh, for cars to uh, to overtake. So that'll be, I guess, the, the the litmus test will be for for races like that. But there have been other races, uh, especially this year, where there's been a decent amount of uh, overtaking. So we'll improve upon that and uh, these uh, new uh, regulations uh, with the, the the simplification of front uh, wings and the uh, the uh, banning of barge boards or the uh, elimination of uh, barge boards has uh, allowed uh, you know the, those areas. Um, uh, you know, they, they've allowed teams to control the wake of the car and it, it's made for a lot of uh, dirty air and it's made it uh, very difficult uh, for the cars to, to get close and, and overtake uh, one another. So I don't know. It, like I say, I mean, it, it's one thing to have these things on paper. We, we've heard uh, different things uh, come out sort of in little bits of uh, bits and pieces. Uh, some people have been kind of negative uh, about what the, the, the new rules uh, might look like, but then you've had Ross Braun come out who's uh, really led it. And I mean, he, he's one of those minds, one of those guys that uh, really you would think uh, you would l- want somebody like Ross Braun really at the head really at the front of a, a project like this I mean considering the record that he excuse me he had in Formula One and also motor racing in, in general I mean uh, all the success that he had with the Ferrari the success he had with his own team and then laying the groundwork for what's become an uber a successful team in uh, Mercedes. Obviously, uh, he didn't stick around there in the for for the long term after being uh, forced out one way or another. If uh, you know, you really get into into the weeds on that one. But anyways, I mean, Ross is the kind of guy that uh, you really want to, to 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 lead a project like that. But I mean, the proof will be in the pudding when we see it a little over a year. Well, I guess about a year and a half from now, by the time we get to uh, March 2021, that uh, that when we we see them racing for real by the time we get to the very first race of the year, which obviously is usually uh, the Australian Grand Prix. And uh, we'll see how these uh, rule 
changes uh, come into effect and uh, what they're like in reality. And uh, then only then can we judge it to, to be a success or a failure. And we, we can't write it off. If the, the, the 2021 Australian Grand Prix turns out to be an extremely boring, uneventful race with very little overtaking, I don't think we can write off the new rules and the regulations, the new aerodynamics, and all these different things that they're doing, possibly the, uh, the, the, you know, uh, you know, the new wheels and the tires and everything like that. It'll be one of those things that uh, I think we'll have to look at over a bigger sample, not uh, just uh, one race. Anyways, uh, before I get on to uh, Pirelli and the issue of the 2020 uh, Formula One tires, I want to talk about Vivid Seats. And guys, remember, today is Thanksgiving. That means Christmas is less than a month away. So if you want to make your life easier when it comes to Christmas shopping and you want to make somebody's day on Christmas morning, go to Vivid Seats and get them tickets to their favorite team. It's a win-win situation. You make your life easier shopping. You make somebody's Christmas. It's It, it sells itself. Anyways, Vivid Seats is a top source for tickets uh, for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. And you can do that all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back, and that's called Vivid Seats Reward. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app for free. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. So remember, every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From all the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. So download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And remember, when it's time to buy, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout and you can receive a discount of up to $100. Remember, that is the promo code OVERTIME. Enter that at checkout and you can save up to $100. Okay, well, sticking with the the future, Pirelli says it's no big issue or no big deal if the 2020 F1 tires get uh, rejected. So there's been a a bit of a debate and uh, there's been some negative feedback around the tire compounds that they want to use uh, for for next year. They did uh, do a test uh, before the U.S. Grand Prix at Austin uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, there was a lot of negative uh, feedback about it. And the the teams have been, uh, they've been really mulling it over whether or not they want to go with the switch uh, for next year. And they're going to have a further test of the the, the tires that they're they're proposing to use uh, next year at uh, the season-closing Abu Dhabi uh, Grand Prix test session after the race on on Sunday. And uh, then the uh, decision will be taken about uh, what they want to do. So Pirelli's head of car racing, uh, Mario Asola, says the company will not fight against continuing with the uh, the 2019 tires if that's what the teams want to do. And uh, he said, quote, We want to test the 2020 construction properly in Abu Dhabi. And after the test, we analyze the data and the teams have the option to ask for a change if more than 70% of the teams are of the same opinion. If this is a decision based on the technical evidence that the 2019 for tire for any reason is working better than 2020, then we have no issues in keeping the 2019 tire because it's good. It's a good product. So there's no reason to be against this decision. But obviously, we need to understand why we needed one more year of testing, and then we have a different result. That's important for the future, end quote. So yeah, interesting to see whether or not that's uh, going to go ahead. But I think that the, if I recall correctly, the test that they had at the 
the Circuit of Americas a couple of weeks ago that uh, the uh, the uh, conditions weren't really ideal. I think that the, the temperatures might have been a little bit uh, cooler, both the air temperature and the tack, uh, track temperature. So it made it uh, a little bit uh, difficult, uh, I think, uh, to, to get the tires really in that uh, that optimum uh, operating temperature right in that sweet spot. So maybe that skewed the results and the, the performance of the tires a little bit. But it's good real world, world feedback, too, because basically 365 days forward from that test is when uh, you're going to have the next U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of Americas. And if they were struggling with the tires then, then who's to say that they wouldn't be struggling with them uh, a year from now? So interesting to see what's going to happen. And um, I, I find it uh, a, a fascinating sh- snapshot into the, uh, the, the the thought process and a little bit of an inside look into Pirelli and what they're they're thinking. I mean, he seems uh, kind of uh, nonplussed that, uh, that if the teams decide that they want to stick with the 2019 tires, then that's okay with them. So I guess once you have the, the compounds down on paper, more or less, I guess if you want to call it, nothing's on paper, obviously, anymore. It's all on... Uh on uh, on uh, hard drives and whatnot but anyways you know what i mean i mean once you have a compound they know how to make it it's just a matter of making one tire compound or another so i guess from that point of view it's uh, nothing in the production side but maybe they've lost uh, some money or they've uh, sunk money into the uh, r&d on that anyways so uh, the the biggest news of the the week uh, of course is that honda has decided to extend red bull and uh, toro rosso deals uh, for 2021 and they've uh, decided to commit staying into Formula One for at least the 2021 season, and uh, that's only a one-year extension. I, I'm not, I'm not really kind of sure what we can take away from that. I mean, there's been some. There's been some discussion as to whether or not uh, they were going to stay in the long term. There's uh, some question marks around whether or not Renault want to stay in. And then basically the only two engine manufacturers you have left would be uh, Mercedes and, uh, and and Ferrari. And you've got uh, McLaren. They're going to be going back uh, to Mercedes engines. I mean, they're not going to stick with Renault. I mean, Renault, uh, they're, they're not going to have any customer teams next year. They're just going to be uh, the, the, the works team. So uh, apparently they said that I don't think it's going to be a big loss for them, or at least they said that at the time when uh, Red Bull decided to, 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 to switch to Honda. And I mean, the, the switch from uh, Renault back to Mercedes makes sense for McLaren. I mean, just to, at least from a historical point of view. And uh, it'll be uh, fun to watch to see how they, can, uh, how they can improve and where they can go from there. Anyways, but with Honda, though, I mean... <laughs> It's been a bit of a rocky, turbulent time that they've had over the past several uh, seasons, ever since they came back uh, with the McLaren uh, several years ago. Of course, that didn't end well, and McLaren, they used the first opportunity that they could to, to break that contract, even though they had to pay what was it, $100 million or 100 million pounds, whatever it was. It wasn't chump change. It was a, a lot of money to break that deal at the first opportunity they had and then switch over to the Renaults. I mean, it's worked out for them. But, I mean, at the same time, it was... I think it was to be expected that uh, that Honda was going to to struggle to a certain extent because they were so far behind the curve. Because when the the rest of the the, the engine manufacturers, Renault, uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, that while they were all developing their engines, when they decided that they were going to be going uh, to produce power units for the uh, the, the V six uh, turbo hybrid era, that it was just. Um, it was going to take a lot of time. And by the time uh, Honda decided to come into it, these other guys already had several years of um, research and uh, design and development going into these power units. Plus, they had the real world of experience of uh, having these engines in the back of cars. 
not just in testing, but obviously in, in races and in qualifying situations, the whole gamut of uh, different, uh, different scenarios you can see for a, a Formula One car. So by the time that Honda decided to come back, and I mean, when, when you look to the partnership of McLaren and Honda in this modern era of Formula One, and being somebody that grew up in the, the, the McLaren-Honda era of old, and Senna and Prost, and also even uh, remembering back when they, they powered uh, Williams in uh, one of their former glory eras in, in Formula One. Uh, you know, I mean, I was a young kid at the time, but I mean, they were they were dominant. They they were the engine to have. Anyways, um, so when they decided or it was announced that they'd be uh, partnering up again uh, with McLaren, it just seemed like it felt right. It just seemed like it was uh, one of those things. And I, I don't think I was the only one that was uh, maybe reminiscing and hoping to see that uh, McLaren would be dominant with Honda engines in, in the modern era of Formula One, like they were 30 years ago in the 80s and the 90s, when they had those Honda engines the back of such iconic and classic uh, Formula One cars like the MP44, the MP46. I mean, to me, some those are some of the most beautiful Formula One cars that uh, that have ever been uh, designed and built, and they were, they were dominant on the track in their own right. I mean, uh, winning multiple races and world championships i mean if you had a mclaren mp44 or 4.6 i mean and well <laughs> i mean obviously two of those guys that drove those cars were alan prost and ayrton senna multiple world champions and uh, and race winners in their their own rights but it was uh you know coming back to what it is now you just knew that it was going to take some time for them to get up to speed and uh, they were always going to be behind the eight ball to a certain extent uh, just uh, that that deficit of being years behind the competition but having said that i mean they were further behind than i think any of us uh, maybe expected and i think that uh, once we saw where they were at it took a long time for them really to to get up to speed to see where there was any improvement i mean they started to show it a little bit towards the end of the uh, the, the the partnership of uh, mclaren but it wasn't really until last year when they had those engines at the back of the, the, the Toro Rosso, because if you remember at the end of 2017, uh, th- there was a real complicated switch going on with uh, with engines and drivers and, and all these uh, bizarre things. Uh, and, the, the, and the work that they did to keep Honda in Formula One, which I don't think was a bad idea. I mean, they are a major manufacturer. They spent a lot of money in Formula One. It would have been a real crying shame for them to, to walk away or have to leave Formula One with their tails between their legs and, uh, and losing a lot of money. I mean, it, it is a business. I realize that. And uh, just because uh, you show up doesn't mean that uh, that you automatically have uh, some birthright to automatically succeed. I mean, there there is a risk when you come in. But you know, having having said that, I mean, it would have been just purely from the perspective of them being a successful manufacturer, engine manufacturer in their own right. I mean, it's been a long time since there was a, a Honda works car in Formula One. I'm, that's a completely separate issue. It would have been uh, sad to see them go away uh, under such circumstances. But, you know, honestly, as positive as I am to see them now extend another year with Toro Rosso and, uh, and Red Bull, and they've had some good year. They've had a good year with them. I mean, they did say that they they were going to keep them on the same levels they were last year with Renault, and I think by and large they've uh, delivered on that. They might be a little bit ahead uh, than than Renault, you know, marginally, not huge. It's not like they're challenging for for raced wins. Uh, 
all all the time each and every weekend but um, for quite a lot of the season the Red Bull was better than the Ferrari still is uh, under certain circumstances I mean it's kind of gone back and forth each each team in each car has had uh, better uh, periods of success and have been uh, better suited to other tracks but I would have hoped uh, that they would have stayed in a little bit longer than than 2021 and you know if they do decide to leave after 2021 what then what is a, a team like uh, Red Bull going to do because they're going to be uh, again the the odd one out uh could we ever see such a thing like a a Red Bull Mercedes or a Red Bull Ferrari or would we be looking again at uh, Red Bull Renault I mean has that ship sailed it certainly seemed like that one uh, ended quite badly and I mean that was a situation for for quite a long time even before they announced uh, that they were going to be uh, switching to Honda Power for for 2019 I mean uh, Christian Horner going back as far as 2014 or 2015 was saying things even that far back that he was uh, dissatisfied with the uh, with the with the Renault Power units uh, back then uh, because uh, when we came into the v6 uh, turbo hybrid era they were the the third best engine to have i mean uh, uh, certainly over the past uh, couple of years they, they were just uh, not able to uh, get anywhere close to ferrari or mercedes and you could understand that uh, frustration i mean it, it became a bit of a, a joke in the end i mean it just seemed each and every weekend or every week every time you looked uh, online there was going to be some quote for, from christian horner saying some not very flattering things about uh, Renault and then I don't know if you guys remember Max uh, Verstappen's uh, censored radio transmission at the uh, the, the 2018 uh, Hungarian Grand Prix when his car expired because of a power unit failure and uh, Max uh, definitely not with very many nice things uh, to say about it so like I say it's good to see them extend I would have liked them uh, to stay a little bit longer but anyways it is what it is anyways time for a quick break and we'll be back in just one moment Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the show. And, well, let's stick with Honda and Red Bull and this uh, extended uh, deal that they have for a little uh, while longer. And, um, well... 
the big factor that uh, that it really comes down to for Honda for staying in Formula One is that they need to reduce their spending because the cost is the biggest issue that uh, that they, that they have as an engine manufacturer that uh, will ultimately decide whether they're going to continue their engine engine program beyond uh, 2020 and 2021. So, like I say, uh, or I said uh, before the break, as great it is uh, for them uh, to stay in Formula One for another year, it would be nice to see them stay any longer. But ultimately, that's going to be what it's going to come down to. Um, is going to be a question of uh, dollars and cents. And uh, Masashi uh, Yamamoto told motorsport.com earlier this week, quote, we have started to calculate how much it'll cost for the future regulations. We have noticed that it's very tough for all the car manufacturers at the moment because of the environment change for electrification. So we are summing up the development cost and having discussions internally. And asked if uh, cost-cutting was the biggest factor in the decision uh, to continue, Yamamoto added, It is true that cost is the biggest issue. Winning is the first priority. Once we decide to participate, we just try to win. And, well, I mean, that is a thing. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody shows up in, in, in Formula One uh, with the goal of not to win. It's just, not, it's not practical. It's not reality for, for most of the, uh, for the, for the teams that, uh, that show up there. I mean, chances are that it's going to be a Ferrari, a Red Bull, or a Mercedes on uh, on any given Sunday that's uh, going to go out and win that race. I mean, we, we get these flukes uh, from time to time. I guess the biggest flukiest win in, in all time uh, as far as that, well, I mean, there's been plenty of them, but one that uh, particularly stands out to me was Olivier Panis in the Ligier in, uh, at Monaco in, what was that, 1994, 1995? I mean, it's almost 25 years ago or thereabouts. Anyways, that was just uh, one of those uh, uh, races. But yeah, I mean, Honda, obviously, uh, they, they don't uh, take these things uh, lightly. I mean, their, their record in Formula One uh, speaks for, for itself. And of course, you would expect if they're there that uh, they're going to want to design and build engines and uh, provide uh, uh, teams with engines that are going to win uh, races. And I, I really hope, I mean, we're, we're going to get at least two more years of Honda power in Formula One. And I would love to see them, uh, you know, be able to continue or continue on from where they've left off over this year and uh what uh, what they've been able to achieve and it would be a, a great thing to see it would be uh, fun to see um somebody get closer to mercedes i mean a ferrari can do it great if red bull and honda can do it great but i think that uh even if it means that uh, that that we see ferrari and red bull challenging each other uh, more closely that that would be more fun but ideally we would see a lot more parity between those top 3 teams and i think that out of those uh, top 3 teams that that maybe red bull has a little bit of catching up to to do uh we saw in the latter half of the the, the season that how when ferrari finally got uh, their car figured out how competitive the sf90 and how quick it uh, could actually be I mean, we'll, we'll put aside all those rumors of all the, uh, you know, the dodgy uh, things that they've allegedly been doing with their, their engine aside because, uh, you know, they maintain uh, that they haven't made any changes despite some of these uh, technical clarifications that have come down from the FIA in the recent uh, weeks and months uh, regarding things like uh, oil burning and, and, and whatnot. But it uh, it would be cool to see that uh, that, that Honda would be able to, to be a or Honda-powered cars would be more uh, challenges. I mean, Toro Rosso and, and Gasly and Kvyat scoring podiums this year. I mean, it's fun to watch, but 
realistically, uh, I mean, that is not the norm for a team uh, like uh, uh, Toro Rosso. I mean, it, it's good to see them move up in the uh, the Constructors' Championships. It's, it's good to see them uh, doing better this year. And um, I think it's their just reward. I think it's fair because, I mean, last year that they were basically test beds for the Honda engines and they put in a, a lot of work uh, to help them get the numbers and the data that they needed to, to get that engine, uh, you know, designed and built uh, for this year to really maximize what they're going to do with it. And it, uh, and by and large, it's uh, paid off. Anyways, uh, Red Bull team boss Christian Horner said that uh, Honda's latest victory at the Brazilian Grand Prix was important to help convince them to, to stay in, manu- uh, in Formula One for a little while longer, at least. Uh, and uh, Horner had to, to say uh, when he was asked by motorsports.com, I think it was very important. Honda's seeing great progress, and I think we can really see the reward after five years of uh, commitment and effort. You have to remember how things were when they came back to the sport. I think they have done a great job in keeping their heads down with great passion and pride to get themselves into this position. And I think uh, one big difference uh, between the partnership uh, with uh, the, the the Red Bull teams and uh, and McLaren is that uh, there, there seems to be a lot more synergy, a lot more teamwork uh, t- t- together between Honda and Red Bull. Because, I mean, it's more of an integrated thing. It's just not a Red Bull car with a, a Honda engine bolted on the back. But, I mean, there's been a lot of collaboration that uh, that this that this engine is really an integrated part of the the, the, the car. And I, from, from what I understand, that's... Uh, more than uh, what they had uh, with McLaren over the, the the past couple years, and I don't want to I don't want to throw shade at McLaren. They're doing good things over there. They've got good people there. We're, we're going to talk about them in a minute here, anyways. But um, it the whole Honda thing didn't work. But I mean, the philosophy and and the uh, everything that they have going together with Red Bull seems to be a much uh, better better fit uh, for for both parties, both for Red Bull. It's better for Honda. I mean, the the situations that they had uh, before they got together this year, they were okay. They weren't great, but I think that Honda and Red Bull work together uh, a lot better. And it would be a shame shame to see that uh, come to an end a little bit uh, prematurely. Anyways, uh, again, Honda's big step forward is, uh, you know, what, what was uh, part of the, the the big gains, the big improvements that we've seen with uh, Toro Rosso this year. And uh, Franz Tost, who's the, uh, the the team boss at uh, Toro Rosso, has, uh, has, he's given, uh, he's thrown them, uh, kudos, given props to Honda with the uh, with the the, uh, the improvement they've had in their form in uh, in recent uh, recent races. And he had to say, quote, the Red Bull partnership helped us at the beginning of the season with the suspension because we took over the suspension every everything from them. But during the season, there's not so much we can do with the synergy because of the regulations. It was the aero updates which helped us and Honda made a big step forward. It was primarily Honda with the spec four engine and with fuel that which they brought at Suzuka that has helped us with performance. So, I mean, they've done uh, quite well. I mean, obviously, like I was saying a little bit earlier, they're not going to be a team that, uh, that, that's really going to challenge for race wins uh, on uh, on a regular basis. I mean, they're sixth in the world championship. I mean, if they have a good result on Sunday, they could finish as high as uh, fifth in the, in the constructors. I mean, Honda, sorry, I mean, uh, McLaren, Renault, they've uh, pretty much, uh, they've, they've got um, fourth place uh, sewn up. Uh, they've got 140 points and uh, Renault, the works team, uh, trail them now uh, by almost 50 points. They're there at 91, but uh, Toro Rosso only has 83 points. So they're, they're not that far. They're only eight points behind Renault. So if uh, Hulkenberg and Ricardo have a bad uh, race on Sunday afternoon and Toro Rosso have a good one, if uh, Gasly and Kvyat uh, can deliver some points, 
I mean, ten points. Sorry, eight points. Then that's that's quite manageable, even for a, a team like Toro Rosso. I mean, especially if you get some bizarreness uh, with with safety cars. I mean, don't typically see that too often at uh, Abu Dhabi. I mean, we did last year because we had that uh, big crash uh, with uh, Nico Hulkenberg when he ended up uh, flipped upside in his car, and then it, uh, there was a bit of a fire there. Anyways, I mean, if we, if we get a safety car, and even if they just have a good race, I mean, if they get both cars into the top ten, and they they get those cars obviously into the right position, then anything is a uh, is possible, and uh, it would it would be kind of cool. I mean, uh, it, it'd be I think a real black eye for Renault. I mean, I, I don't think that they can be too happy to see where they are in the constructors with only ninety one points and uh, being not quite a country mile, but a good country half mile behind uh, their customer team in McLaren that uh, it would just be uh, salt in the wound uh, to get uh, overtaken and passed by Toro Rosso in the, uh, in, in the standings. But anyways, uh, talking now about uh, McLaren, and like I was saying, they've had a good year. It, uh, I, I'm really impressed with the, with the job that, uh, that, um, uh, that Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris have done. I mean, I, I've, I've said it over the course of the year and uh, even before the year, once uh, they, they'd made their uh, announcement that, uh, that they were going to go with Sainz and, uh, and Norris for this year. I was a little bit, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I was kind of um, more, to, I, I think, sort of taking a, a bit of a hands-off approach, sort of sit back and wait and see what, the, what these guys uh, can do. I mean, Norris, I think uh, he's uh, had a very good uh, rookie season. I think he's shown a lot of uh, potential and uh, he's uh, shown some speed and he's shown some maturity. I mean, look at the issues he had at the end of the French Grand Prix. I mean, he dropped down but uh, was still able to, to salvage something out of that race. And uh, he's shown his pace as well. And I mean, it's been good to see these guys in the points. It's been good to see uh, McLaren coming home with uh, double points finishes. Good seeing them in Q3, sometimes uh, both cars. So I think it's been a very, very uh, positive of, uh, from from that point of view, but you know they, there there still is room for improvement. I mean, uh, McLaren is not going to be happy just with the uh, fourth or fifth in the in the constructors' championship. This is a team that uh, that is used to, to winning, and it's been a very very long time since they won a race, let alone a, a drivers or constructors uh, championship. I mean, you go back and look at all the great drivers that have uh, won championships in uh, in these cars. I mean, uh, and and won races in these cars. I mean, they are an iconic mark in Formula. One, and uh, it's it's been quite painful to to watch them struggle like they have, especially a couple of years ago prior to the to the switch to to, uh, to Renault engines. But still, I think that this year, I think uh, you've really seen uh, some very good improvement. I think that uh, I've mentioned a couple times over the past uh, several months, uh, but I think that Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren, definitely deserves some some praise for the work that he's done uh, just to come in to a team that. I think it's fair to say that they'd lost their way uh, a little bit. Uh, that, uh, you know, when you go back to the problems that they they were having a couple of years ago uh, during the Honda years, and they were always laying the blame at the at the feet of Honda. Oh, yeah, it's not us. We got one of the best cars in Formula One. It's just that the engine constantly lets us down. And in fairness, the Honda engine did let them down on a number of occasions. But as time went on, it came out that the car wasn't as good as at least that they were publicly saying. And eventually they did come clean and, and say that. But, 
you know, I, I mean, it's, it, on, on one hand, it's uh, it's okay to sit here and criticize, but on the other hand, I think that uh, where you know what's good for on one side, you got to look at the other side too, and I think you have to give praise to Zach Brown to see what he's done over the uh, the, the past couple of years and the important people that they've uh, appointed, like uh, Jill DeFerrin as uh, the sporting or the director or whatever his title is, and you got James Key who came over from Toro Rosso, you got Andreas Seidel. I mean, all, the, all these very smart people that uh, that know what to do. I mean, uh, Seidel had a very uh, successful stint uh, as head of the, uh, the the Porsche LMP1 project, and now he comes over to Formula One, and, you know, I mean, I, I think it was a big move for uh, for McLaren to let go of Eric Boulier last uh, last year. I mean, I guess technically they said they parted ways, but maybe more to the point uh, that uh, Boulier was parted ways with, or, you know, put into the, uh, you know, they said that it'd be uh, maybe a mutual thing just to, for him to save face. But, you know, I mean, he did what he did when he was uh, there with uh, McLaren. But since then, I mean, uh, McLaren has uh, slowly and steadily improved. And I think we've really seen it uh, this year. And and I think Seidel is a, is a good guy to have in that uh, position. And I think that uh, we will see uh, them continually or continuing to improve into 2020. I guess the big question is, how much can they improve? Where is the ceiling? And uh, and where are they going to go from, uh, from here? But uh, Seidel did say, say that his staff, uh, they shouldn't get complacent over what he called an impressive 2019 campaign and uh that me or you know this you know i guess uh, basically what he's uh, trying to get at is that they, they can't uh, sit back and rest on their laurels because they had a good year this year doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate into success uh, for for 2020 so they, they they like i say they did seal fourth place in the constructors championship with that um, uh, podium that carlos Sainz got at the brazilian grand prix the uh, the other weekend but uh, they are they are targeting more towards uh, 2021 and the the, the big uh, overhaul that uh, they're having and uh, well i mean he did have to say quote we have high targets and definitely medium term we want to close the gap to the top teams and fight for podiums and race wins again at the same time we need to be realistic of what is achievable from year to year uh, to the next one we have a lot of respect for the top three teams and what they're doing but at the same time i make sure that within the team that we keep everyone or we keep up this respect for every other team that we are fighting with at the moment because everyone's fighting hard to, to improve year by year all these teams that are in the paddock have great people working for them and great talents so it's a very complex sport this is why you can never take something for granted and of course i think that's a very sober and a uh, very smart way to approach it and you can never get uh, too arrogant or, or too cocky because really i mean formula one it's uh it's the ultimate uh, sport i think of uh, the highs are really highs and the lows are really lows and uh i, th- I think it's one of those things okay well you had a good result last weekend so what that was last weekend you know the new this is this weekend what are you going to do this weekend and i think formula one i mean it it does have a very short memory and it's a pretty much uh not what what did you do for me yesterday but what have you done for me today Okay, well, let's uh, talk now a little bit uh, about uh, Lewis Hamilton. We always have something to say about Lewis, but uh, <laughs> it's been a little bit longer than usual since we got around to the uh, the five-time world champion. Uh, sorry, six-time world champion. Pardon me. <laughs> sorry about that, Lewis. I'm starting to, to lose count. That That's not a sign of disrespect. That's just me running out of fingers to count all your world titles. So that's uh, definitely uh, my bad. Anyways, Lewis says that the uh, the problems that he had at the, the Brazilian Grand Prix were a really important learning 
experience for him and uh, doing what, uh, or I guess what he was saying, saying that, that uh, it's one thing to experience a Formula One race where the, the, the gloves come off. Because, I mean, at the end of that one, we had uh, two safety cars at the end of the race. First, uh, the, the safety car was deployed after Valtteri Bosses' power unit failed. And that was a bit of a weird one. I mean, it didn't really look like it was going to be a safety car situation. Uh, Michael Massey, the chief's uh, steward, the uh, he did have to say that uh, that uh, they had no choice but to, to put the safety car out on the track. I, I was kind of interested at the time. I thought that uh, even if uh, Bottas' car was... Uh, in a little bit of a dodgy situation that um, you would have thought that maybe the the, the virtual safety car would have been, uh, you know, a, a, a suitable uh, way to take care of it. But anyways, it is what it is. But anyways, that was the first one. Then you had the accident between the two Ferraris not too long thereafter, which triggered the second one. And that really, that that second one really messed up the, uh, the, the, the race order. And then you had uh, Lewis Hamilton scrapping with poor Alex Albon there. And uh, Lewis locks it up a little bit, plows into the back of uh, Albon, and you you could tell in the uh, the, the post race interviews that uh, that Lewis, I mean, he was uh, very, I mean, he was the first guy to put his hand up and say uh, mia culpa, and uh, really recognize uh, that it was uh, and 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 own it. I mean, he recognized it was it was his fault, and he knew that that uh, that penalty was uh, was coming. So it is interesting. I mean, no matter how new or how long you've been in Formula One, when you get a guy like uh, Lewis Hamilton that uh, that is starting to own all the records in Formula One and, and sneak them away one by one from uh, seven-time world champion uh, Michael Schumacher. But it is interesting that, uh, you know, to, to hear Lewis say that even at this point in his uh, career that uh, that are still uh, things that, uh, that can help him uh, uh, learn at this point in, in his life and at this point in his career, he had to say, quote, we look at the last race, my gloves were off. If that was a championship race, I would have f- just finished second, a pretty, pretty chilled second and bagged the points. So of course you have the balance of knowing when to push for it. And that was uh, the first race really this year that I could really push like that, go over the edge and see how it is. I'm still pri- paying for the price of that little bit of that little contact that we had. But if I didn't have those, if I didn't have those mistakes, he generally want to be making mistakes because those are the ones that you can learn from. Anyways, very interesting uh, to get inside uh, a little look inside of uh, the mind of uh, Lewis Hamilton and, and and what makes him tick. Because honestly, I, I'm fascinated by these elite level uh, athletes and, and and what goes on inside of their minds, what their thought process is. And uh, Lewis did uh, go on. He had other things uh, to say uh, this week about uh, what uh, what what it does, like what he has to do, what his blueprint for success in Formula One is. And we'll talk about that again in just a moment after this very short break. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Right. As I was saying just before the uh, the, the break here, Lewis has given us a little bit of a look inside uh, to what makes him tick. And uh, he was uh, divulged uh, a couple of things of uh, what he does uh, to do um, to, to really prepare for Formula One. And uh, well, it, it, it is interesting. And uh, he says that uh, he does uh, stretching because he's stretching is uh, important because the uh, the older you get, the more you notice it. And he said that uh, stretching is super, super important. 
important uh, to get uh, you know before a race and uh, keeping his heart rate low with uh, some breathing. He doesn't do breathing exercises, but he does uh, focus on his breathing, making sure that's centered. And then uh, he also says that he likes to make sure of uh, he knows of what everything's uh, in front of him. He also uh, says that he uh, he studies the lap and uh, has studied the settings that uh, that he has to change throughout the laps or the uh, the, the strategy that they're going to use, uh, for example. And I mean. It's just about being prepared, isn't it? It's it's one of those things that if you take care of the little details, the big picture will really uh, take uh, take care of itself. And I think that if uh, if if you can really focus on those things, like Lewis, and I think that's a, it, it's applicable in in all areas of life. If you can take take care of the small things, that the big things will really take care of themselves. And let's talk about big things now. And the big thing that everybody was talking about after the the Brazilian uh, Grand Prix last weekend, or sorry, almost two weekends ago, was uh, of course the big crash between Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Charles Leclerc. And uh, well, anytime you have uh, a double DNF in a team, that's obviously something that's not very bueno. Uh, but, but when it's caused by your two cars uh, racing together and then crashing into each other, that's uh, even worse. Anyways, Vettel and Leclerc uh, said that they're both aware that their crash in Brazil was not, not acceptable. And uh, well, Matteo Bonato, I mean, he didn't throw anybody under the bus. I mean, he uh, he just called it uh, a quote-unquote silly action and said that they would uh, look at it uh, in in more detail back in, uh, in Marilla, uh, Marinello after the Grand Prix. I mean, he didn't throw anybody out in the bus in public, but it would have been interesting to see if uh, either or both of those drivers got called to the principal's office once they got back to Italy and uh, and what uh, was said uh, behind closed doors. I would, would have paid anything. And it's fair to me to say that because I don't have any real money, but I would have paid anything to sit in and just uh, be an observer in, uh, in, in, in that situation. Anyways, uh, Bonato did say that they uh, they did uh, have a, a post mortem uh, after the, uh, the 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 race, uh, and they did uh, do it in the the, the race after or the, the days after the race. He said uh, they talked about it uh, together as a group individually, and uh, they said uh, he said that uh, both uh, Leclerc and Vettel uh, both uh, understand uh, what was acceptable and what isn't, and uh, they know now as a team what we have to do. Uh, to move forward. And uh, not surprisingly, um, uh, Christian Horner had weighed in on this one as well. Well, maybe that's not, not surprising, but maybe uh, his sentiments aren't surprising because he said that when you have uh, a Vettel Leclerc type incident where two teammates crash each other, he says that the, the team's always a loser. And of course, I mean, there's a lot of work and preparation that goes into uh, into a race just for one Formula car, a uh, Formula One car. So I mean, to, to do get two cars out there and have two competitive cars like uh, Ferrari has. I mean, that that's a, that's a big, big thing. I mean, accidents are always going to happen. Mishaps are going to happen. Mechanical issues are going to happen uh, as, as well. That's just uh, part of the racing. I mean, uh, Sebastian Vettel, a couple of years ago, he just seemed to be uh, the unfortunate target of uh, um, Danny Kvyat. <laughs> it seemed he had this thing where he just had to drive into Sebastian Vettel for, uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, I know it's all kind of coincident. I'm just being a little bit cynical and sarcastic about it. But anyways, I mean, there's situations like that where somebody just gets it wrong behind you and they take themselves out of the race. Unfortunately, they take somebody else along with them. And that was the case with Vettel and Kvyat a couple of years ago. Anyways, the other thing is to the mechanical issues. And those are all going to be frustrating and disappointing in their own rights. But losing two cars from the same team after they get into it when 
racing each other out on the track, that just must be so maddening for everybody in the team from top to bottom. I mean, right from from the guy that fills the the coffee mugs uh, right up to to, uh, Mattia Bonato right at the top of the pyramid. So um, Christian Horner weighed in on the subject and he said, quote, it depends on the scenario and each team has a different approach and different people have different approaches. So difficult for me to judge Ferrari's situation. But the loser is always the team in that situation. Obviously, it is a tricky one. Anyways, uh, I mean, it is what it is. It, it is true. I mean, uh, obviously, both of them are... I mean, they'd be foolish not to, to admit that they didn't understand and recognize uh, how bad it was. And I think that uh, that Christian was just putting out there what uh, what everybody already knows and that uh, that uh, when you have an accident like that, that uh, both uh, team or both, both cars from the same team cancel each other out and uh, take themselves out of the race, that uh, it, it is the team that, uh, that, that hurts the most. And it, uh, it, just, looks, it just looks bad. Anyways, uh, just uh, talking about uh, a Ferrari-related team, and that uh, that is Haas. Uh, Gunther Steiner, the uh, the outspoken and uh, quite colorful, languaged uh, Gunther Steiner. If you've watched uh, the F1 uh, Drive to Survive series on Netflix, anyway, say uh, he had to said that um, that uh, that they could have been the best of the rest this uh, this uh, season because the Haas showed that it had speed from time to time. I mean, they've been. Uh, quite disappointing, uh, quite underwhelming. I mean, they are ninth in the world championship, only 28 points, 27 points ahead of uh, Williams, who are dead last. So, I mean, that's uh, that's something. But, I mean, they're they're way behind uh, Alfa Romeo, who have uh, twice the amount of points that uh, that they have, and uh, with uh, with 57, and that's uh, eighth in the world championship. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of those uh those uh those those comments that you know, it's it's one thing. I mean, if you've shown your speed, that's one thing, but 20 races don't lie. I mean, there there's there've been issues with that car all season long and uh, it, it's disappointing. I mean, it it's exciting to see an American team in Formula 1 and it's uh, I think it's good that uh, that they're even based here in the US rather than uh, than in the UK. It's uh, it gives a more of a connection. I mean, even from where I am in uh, in Vancouver, Canada, that uh, that that North Carolina where uh, Haas has their their headquarters. I mean, that's a long long away. That's on the completely different side of the continent for me, but still having an American team and and American races, it makes Formula One feel a little bit closer and as well, like the Canadian Grand Prix, even though there are multiple hour flights uh, for me. But it it it's it's frustrating to see because there have been some some hints that uh, potentially that we might see something from Haas over the past couple of years, but this year has just been a, an out and out uh, disaster for them. It's, it's it's not been a good year for for them at all. Anyways, uh, Pirelli, uh, we we started off uh, talking about them at the top of the show. Just uh, looking ahead to the uh, twenty twenty Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, they're going to have this eighteen degree banked final corner at uh, at the circus uh, circuit, and it's going to have a thirty two percent incline with, uh, and that's going to be a fourth me- four meters of uh, height distance. Uh, difference between the top and bottom of the track. I mean, it's going to be cool. It's going to be watching like an F15 going through those uh, corners when those uh, cars go go around there. It's going to be awesome. But uh, Pirelli says that they don't really have any choice but to increase the tire pressures uh, at the Dutch Grand Prix next year to uh, to, to manage those corners. And uh, it's going to be uh, twice as much as uh, what it is at, uh, at Indianapolis. And if you remember way back in about 2005, that's when we had uh, multiple uh, tire manufacturers and all the Michelin runners 
had to uh, withdraw from the uh, from the from the race that year because uh, they were worried about uh, you know the the fact that uh, there was too much stress being put on the uh, the, the tires. I think it was Ralph Schumacher that had a big big crash uh, because of a, a tire blowing out on him uh, like that. But uh, yeah, it, it, like I say, it's going to be kind of cool. But I, I really hope that uh, that uh, Mario Osola, who's the the head of uh, car racing at uh, at Pirelli, <clears throat> when he says that all they can really do is uh, increase the tire pressures uh, to to meet the challenge, I sure hope it's uh, as simple as that. Because uh, that incident uh, at Indy all those years ago was just uh, embarrassing when you only had like uh, what was it six cars lining up uh, from that uh, from that uh, whole debacle, and it was just you know people standing there in the the, the grandstands booing and giving the thumbs down and rightly so i mean it was an embarrassment uh for the sports that that, that they made that uh, decision after the warm-up lap and you know all the the, the michelin uh, cars coming back into the pits and then it was just really silly to see half a dozen cars driving around indy for for that amount of time it was just uh it was just not good to see anyway so let's just talk a little bit uh, about uh, the uh, abu dhabi uh, grand prix uh, this uh, this weekend of course uh, it is all just i mean it's going to be fun to watch just uh, on itself but it uh, it <laughs> it doesn't mean anything like i said i mean everything is all uh, decided just a couple of quick stats on that 55 uh, lap race uh, the circuit is just over 5.5 uh, 5 kilometers in length total race distance of 305.3 kilometers and sebastian vettel set the lap record way back in 2009 with a 140.27 uh, sorry a 279 anyways last year lewis hamilton uh, won the, uh, the the grand prix uh, well it's uh it's been a good track for lewis hamilton let's just uh, put it that way since uh, they started uh, racing there uh, a decade ago sebastian vettel has got uh, f- three wins there lewis hamilton has uh, four and then the only other guys set to win there include uh, Kimi raikkonen uh, for uh, lotus renault back in 2012 uh, nico rosberg won there in uh, 2015 and uh, valtteri bottas won there for mercedes back in uh, in 2017 you know it's kind of a funny track too i mean uh, quite often you know you get uh, situations like we've had the past uh, two seasons by the time you get to uh to the last couple of races of the year the uh the the, the world championship has uh, been wrapped up there there's nothing really to race for anymore and that's a bit of a shame i mean if you, you go back even as recently as uh 2016 when you had the the, the big uh showdown between hamilton and, and nico rosberg to decide the, the world championship uh, that year that was exciting it, it, it made uh it made it uh, an exciting race and it is uh it is disappointing and maybe not disappointing let's say uh, anticlimactic uh, when you get to a race that doesn't uh, really mean uh, mean anything, I mean it was it was intense watching those two uh, go at it and then uh, closing up uh, behind them because you had Lewis Hamilton uh, slowing down, trying to back him into uh, Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen that were uh, were, were chasing them. And then those two guys wisely just had a kind of holding station there and then not trying to get uh, too involved and let uh, the cars in front of them uh, fight it out uh, between them because that's uh, really what uh, what it was all about uh, that day. But kind of makes you wonder how that uh, could go. Let Let's just say, I mean, uh, you know, you switched, uh, say, Bahrain uh, with uh, with Abu Dhabi at the at the beginning of the year, if it uh, might have a little bit of a, a vibe, because the, the the feeling I always get when we get to Abu Dhabi it seems kind of a chill, relaxed race. I mean, it looks, I mean, it's great too. I mean, though the the time of day when they run it, sort of dusk going into night. I mean, you got that uh, that cool big Ferrari world. I want to go to Ferrari World in Abu Dhabi. I got to go on that uh, that roller coaster. 
I think that uh, would be uh, really cool. Anyway, so, so that goes uh, this weekend. And then, uh, like I was saying, off the top of the show, it's all done. It's all over and it's uh, going to be a wrap. And like I say, for, for all of us here, it's going to come uh, a little bit uh, too soon uh, than, uh, <laughs> than any of us uh, want. Anyways, one just a quick final reminder for whatever it's worth, uh, the World Championship. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, of course, crowned World Champion for this year. He's got 387 points. Valtteri Bottas, his teammate, 314. Max Verstappen, 260. Charles Leclerc, 249. Sebastian Vettel rounding out the top five with 230. And then on the constructors uh, side, we got uh, Mercedes, 701. Ferrari, 479. Red Bull, 391. Uh, McLaren, 140. Then we got Renault, Toro Rosso, Racing Point, Alfa Romeo, Haas, and then Williams with one single point. And it looks like um, that's going to way it's going to end unless uh, Williams can find a way to pull a, a point or two out of the rabbit's hat uh, this weekend. Otherwise, they might just go home with one point. Guess it's better than no points, but I don't know. Is it really something to brag about at the end of the day? I'll let you guys decide about that. Anyways, that's uh, time to wrap it up. Uh, Again, thank you all very much uh, for listening uh, to the show and downloading it. If you want to do us a solid and uh, and help the show grow, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and uh, listen to podcasts too. And if you could leave us a five-star review and rating, that would uh, help. But hey, don't let me try and influence you. Just do uh, do what your heart tells you. But uh, the, uh, the 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 better, the more flattering, and the more stars helps uh, the the show stay visible. Helps other people find it. Helps us grow. And that's ultimately what it's about: is connecting Formula One fans around the world and talking about uh, the sport that we all love the most. Anyways, if you want to get in touch, uh, you got any questions, comments, feedback, anything at all, love to hear you or hear from you. Uh, please do so via Twitter at uh, Scuderia F1 Pod, or you can email us at. Scuderia f1pod at gmail.com anyways that's a wrap for me thank you for listening enjoy the abu dhabi grand prix and we'll talk to you guys again this time next week ciao listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1pod.com Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1pod at gmail.com 